This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by HCJ Contacts. All right, my name is Darren Joseph from ACJ.tax, the team that seeks to demystify the sometimes confusing world of cross-border taxation. And today we have the honor and the privilege of having a conversation with Roger. Roger, can you please introduce yourself? Hey, Darren, how are you? And hello, everyone. My name is Roger Chi. Um, I'm the CEO of the Singapore office for 1291 Group. Um, we are based in Zurich with 13 offices around the world. Uh, Zurich, Geneva, Liechtenstein, London, Panama, Bogota, Sao Paulo, Mexico City, Dubai, Hong Kong, and most importantly, here in Singapore. Wow. Okay. And the fact that you remembered all of those, that, that's, that is pretty impressive. There we go. <laughs> the basic question, what exactly is a PPLI? Sure. So before I begin, I'll, I'll just tell you a bit about 1291 and sort of what we oh, do, sure. right? And then sure. we can then yeah. jump into PPLI and specifically yeah. how that may be able to help some of your clients. Um, sure. So people always ask me, 1291, what do the numbers mean? It's the mm -hmm. founding year of Switzerland. So mm -hmm. that's your Jeopardy fact for the day, um, as I mentioned, based in Zurich. And what we do is we work with high net worth families globally in building what I like to call asset holding structures. And what does it actually mean in plain English? So historically, if you're a wealthy family, you held all your assets in a BVI, a Cayman company, a Singapore company, or a trust, and then you sort of conveniently forgot about them. But obviously, with FACTA, with CRS, with CFC rules, with the Pandora Papers, the Paradise Papers, and the OECD cracking on these traditional offshore structures, these traditional structures just don't work anymore. However, high net worth families still want privacy. They still want asset protection. They still want legal tax optimization, with the keyword there being legal. Um, they want to do some next generation estate planning, and maybe they even want some liquidity or like a cash component. And that's sort of where we come in. So we build these structures for high net worth families. And what we see now is that for high net worth families globally, is that high net worth families globally are global families, right? So you have families who, who maybe first generations in Europe or let's say in Asia, that's what we see. Um, second generation, maybe there's a, there's a kid in the US, I mean, there's a kid in Australia, there's a kid in, in, in the UK. Um, they may have assets globally, they may have bank accounts um, in Taiwan or Indonesia, and, but also uh, assets in Singapore and US and, and UK. And how do you sort of make sense of all those different things, right? Um, and that's sort of what we do. Um, and for, you know, the global families, I think one of our favorite tools, we use all the different tools. We use trust, we use offshore companies, we use foundations, we use even the fund structures, which are like the Singapore VCCs and the Cayman SBC structures. But our favorite structure for families with sort of a lot of cross-border issues is using something called private placement life insurance, or PPLI for short. And that's very simply a derivation of two words. The words private placement, because investments are private placement, and the words life insurance, because the underlying vehicle is a life insurance vehicle. And I think a lot of people sort of ask me, you know, why life insurance? Why not a trust? Why not a, a foundation? Why not, you know, one of, one of these other structures? And the answer is that life insurance works in both common law countries, which are countries conquered by the UK, but also civil law countries. And if you look at the map, most countries in the world are actually civil law countries. 
So if I go to a, a tax authority, let's say in, in China or Indonesia or, I don't know, Kazakhstan or some places in South America, and they say, hey, look, I have a trust. They sort of say, so what? What's a trust? We don't recognize a trust. We see right through that because it's not in our tax books, right? So, um, you know, but whereas with life insurance, life insurance, even the course African countries, we have life insurance rules, right? So I know exactly the benefits I get. I know benefits I don't get, and I know what what things I need to do to qualify for those benefits. So those rules of the road are very, very clearly stipulated. And that's why we like to use a life insurance vehicle. The other reason why we like to use life insurance is that life insurance tends to be very boring. We like things that are very boring, right? Mm -hmm. I don't like exotic things. I don't like offshore companies, bad. I don't like trusts, bad, things for the rich, right? Life insurance is something that everybody has access to. Um, and it's very common to have life insurance. So we actually like the fact that that life, you know, life insurance, you know, has these properties that which are, you know, which is sort of available for the common man, but also specifically, you know, we can take the, these these traits and these you know characteristics for life insurance and sort of apply to high north families. Hmm. Okay. So having said that, and thanks a lot for that pretty comprehensive overview. That kind of touches on a lot of points. So can you give some typical use cases as to where the PPLI solution works sure. for a given yeah. family? Yeah, sure. So, so very basically, um, what you're doing is you're taking a series of assets. You're taking mm -hmm. your, your bank account. It could be shares of your operating company. It could be mm -hmm. some real estate you own. It could be shares of that hot startup you're investing in. It could even be exotic things like Bitcoin or let's say a private jet or a yacht. You know, it could be some very exotic assets. And what mm -hmm. I'm doing essentially is I'm transferring it from Roger's name to mm -hmm. the name of life insurance. So now mm -hmm. what happens is the life insurance company is what they call the ultimate beneficial owner. They now mm -hmm. legally own those assets. What I get back in exchange the life insurance policy, inside mm -hmm. my policy are my assets. Ideally, you have an asset manager who's, who's managing those assets on your behalf, so it's arm's length. In some countries, it's required to be arm's length. In some countries, it's not required, but we always, mm -hmm recommend that you know we you, you do have a licensed manager who's managing the assets on your behalf um and in in essence is that you know we've transferred those those assets to the life insurance company it's owned by the life insurance company and all you own is a life is a, is a life insurance policy right mm. um from a reporting standpoint you're still crs compliant you're still factor compliant but what you report back now instead of reporting back five different bank accounts in five different exotic jurisdictions or a bvi or these different things what you're reporting now is, is one simple consolidated line, life insurance policy, cash render value, $50 million or $5 million or whatever the, the assets are worth. And that mm -hmm. gets reported back. So it's consolidated reporting. It makes, simplifies everything for you. Um, and it, it puts it into one simple structure. And now what, mm -hmm. what's unique about these life insurance structures is that, you know, because we knew the rules about life insurance across different jurisdictions, we can mm -hmm. now make it compliant for many different jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. And many of the rules for different jurisdictions are actually quite similar or almost the same. Mm -hmm. So it can, you know, some of these life insurance policies initially off, on the off, offset can already be compliant for over 100 countries, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, you know, if there's more, more, more sort of complicated jurisdiction, let's say a US, a UK, for example, mm -hmm. um, you know, we can, we can, we can do these, um, we can make it more compliant um, by just tailoring it so that it's specifically tailored for those different jurisdictions. So, for mm -hmm. example, you know, we have a lot of cases where I have a lot of uh, cases where it's dual compliant, for example, or, or, or mm -hmm. compliant for three different countries. And we compliant for the U.S., for the U.K., for France, and for China, 
So it can be compliant for all these different countries, depending on where your assets are, and more importantly, where where the different beneficiaries are, or where the different, mm-hmm. different people the family are, and that way you can make it compliant for all these different jurisdictions. And so, no matter what, you can you can you can make it compliant for all these different things, right? Un- understood, understood. So then I- I'm going to ask the the opposite question: What use case or what particular scenario or example would it be not appropriate for? I think it's actually appropriate for a lot of different cases, to be honest with you. I actually think it's a very robust structure. Um, mm-hmm. You can use it instead of a of a trust or a offshore company, or you can use it in conjunction with an and structure mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with these different structures, right? So, mm-hmm. for example, the most common structures we, we actually see is perhaps like if you have a trust, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Keep the trust. The trust mm-hmm. is great for succession planning, but it may mm-hmm. not have, let's say, some of the tax benefits you're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because of CFC rules, or it, it may not have, you know, some of the private privacy or asset protection benefits. So you may want to layer these different structures with a, I guess, a trust holding a, um, a trust holding a, a PPLI structure, and maybe even below that holding an offshore company, a Singapore company, for example, and then holding an operating asset. Okay. One, I guess, conventional thinking, and, and you'll correct us if if I'm wrong, is that it's a relatively expensive structure to set up and maintain. How would you respond to that? Is it? Yeah, so I actually think there's a lot of misperceptions in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I think that's not true. So the okay. running cost mm-hmm. of PPLIs is generally maybe a setup cost of 1% or less, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. an ongoing of 1% or less, right? And oftentimes mm-hmm. when we do these structures, you know, we do a cost-benefit analysis on these different mm-hmm. things. And let's mm-hmm. say if you're, let's say if you're a, a U.S. tax resident, for example, right? Mm-hmm. If a U.S. tax resident, you know, you may have a tax drag on a short-term basis of thirty-seven percent. If you're a California tax resident, there's another thirteen percent on top of it, to close to fifty percent plus, maybe two percent Medicare, so well over fifty percent, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Or even for a capital gains basis, it's twenty-two percent plus the thirteen, right? But mm-hmm. even if you're living offshore, you know, it's thirty-seven percent, twenty or twenty-two percent, depending on how how long you own those assets. In a PPLI structure, one of the key things that it allows you to tax defer any of the gains you make. So basically, mm-hmm. if you make have any capital gains, you don't have to pay those taxes right away. It just accrues and capitalizes. So basically, you don't have to pay those taxes. So you know, mm-hmm. paying twenty two percent tax versus paying one percent on, on overall assets, a lot of times the math makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. You're actually net ahead um, by mm-hmm. doing these different things. There's also mm-hmm. some interesting things we can do around with claim, reclaiming withholding taxes. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's say, you know, I, I'm based in Singapore, for example, I have a lot of clients in Singapore, they may, you know, they may less invest in a lot of US stocks, everybody invests mm-hmm. in US stocks, every investor buys mm-hmm. Apple stock or Amazon, or Exxon or Walmart, a lot of these stocks may pay dividends. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's a withholding tax, which you may or may not be yeah. aware of. And the withholding mm-hmm. tax coming out of US is, is traditionally 30%. Correct. That's the standard withholding tax. Um, Singapore you know, if you're a Singapore tax resident, you pay 30% withholding tax. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 there's a there's a neat quirk here is that we have insurance companies in 15 jurisdictions, mm. and all of a sudden I can pick a jurisdiction that has a very good double tax treaty. Let's say it's in mm-hmm. Ireland or a, mm-hmm. or a Luxembourg. Um, mm-hmm. So it has a very good double tax treaty, or in Austria, very good double mm-hmm. tax treaty because these these countries have been friends with mm-hmm. the U.S. for a long time. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden the withholding tax is not 30%; it's 15%. 
And that's just free money, right? So mm -hmm. I have one client, for example, last year in Singapore, we saved mm -hmm. $60,000 in just reclaiming those holding taxes from wow. the US or from the UK or from Switzerland, mm -hmm. lots of different things. So there's lots of mm -hmm. unique sort of um, things that we can do with these different structures. Mm -hmm. It actually mm -hmm. makes it very cost effective. Um, mm -hmm. And oftentimes, you know, you're, 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 the marginal cost is you're, you're many times ahead by using these structures mm -hmm. and not using them. Okay. Sticking with the cost element. Yeah. Uh, I know you said 1% setup, 1% uh, ongoing. Yeah. Or less. But yep. or, or less. But from yep. your point of view, is there like a threshold below which even though it's 1%, it may not be worth your time or you, you're going to... We're, we're, we're quite open, right? Anybody can come. Yeah, anybody can come. Yeah. So look, I mean, I think, you know, usually with maybe we start at 5 million for, you know, for, for these mm -hmm. types of structures. And a lot mm -hmm. of times we actually, I even have cases where I've done at 2 million, okay. right? Everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think, you know, it's a very accessible type of a structure, um, mm -hmm. lots of different nuances to it, but we've been doing it for a long time, right? And that being said, we have, you know, the, these structures can go as, as you know, I have some clients as big as half a billion, right? And mm -hmm. everything in between. So mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not just for the very, very big or for, for the very, very small, it's sort of for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a very flexible structure and it's very easy to use. Um, I think a lot of times people will compare these things to, let's say, uh, a, a trust or a foundation yeah. or an offshore company. Correct, yeah. right? Correct, correct, um, the yeah. thing is, each thing does a different thing, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you know, it, it's not, it, it's an apples and oranges comparison, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. In my mind, a trust is very good for succession planning, right? Mm -hmm. When my kids are 18, they get this, my grandkids come up, they get that. But mm -hmm. if you want, you know, a tax blocker, if you want, you know, some of the, some of these privacy or protection things, a lot of times that trust is no longer there, right? Mm -hmm. Because of CRS or FACTA and CFC rules, it mm -hmm. sees right through these different things, right? Mm -hmm. and, and for example, a US trust has its own tax ID. Mm -hmm. It pays capital gains tax. It mm -hmm. pays right, income tax on, on any trades you make. So mm -hmm. you can layer a trust with a PPLI. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the trust will take it, you know, help with the succession planning, but also help you with the estate tax issue. Mm -hmm. And the PPL will help you with the capital gains tax issue. So it's mm -hmm. different. You layer the different things. Each one does its mm -hmm. own heavy lifting for different things. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. there's lots of cases where you may want to, you may want these, these structures in combination. Mm -hmm. And then below that, you actually may even want a, a, a Singapore company or, or an offshore company, a PIC, for example, a private investment mm -hmm. corporation or a California mm -hmm. LLC or Delaware LLC, just a, a hold co of some sort, which then holds your underlying mm -hmm. assets. And that mm -hmm. way, you just move your assets around, right? Mm -hmm. Not holding the underlying assets. So with these, you know, with, with, in this day and age, it's not an either or anymore. It's an mm -hmm. and structure because it's so complicated these days. Yeah, yeah. Understood, understood. But it's generally, taking a step back, it's a structural tool from one generation down because once there is a, i guess a, a, tr a trigger i guess the passing yep. of the Correct. of the person who said person yeah it, it it's no longer in existence right or does it correct continue? so mm -hmm. yeah so exactly so there is a trigger event with these types of structures mm -hmm. right um so it's not indefinite right or not 100 years a lot of trust either 100 years or they're indefinite depending on jurisdictions with this mm -hmm. there is a trigger event there's a life mm -hmm. insured Right. So mm -hmm. it's based on somebody's life. Once that person's passed away, there's a trigger mm -hmm. event and there's a distribution to the beneficiaries. Right. Mm -hmm. But the beneficiary can actually be um, a natural person, your children. Mm -hmm. It can be actually a trust. And that's what we actually recommend. Yeah. You can be going to a trust of some sort. 
It can mm-hmm. be even to, to a, a family hold co. So some families have mm-hmm. a family um, a family office that's set up that's in a family hold co. Um, you can distribute to that. But a lot of times mm-hmm. we say, look, have it distributed into a trust or a standby trust. Mm-hmm. The standby trust actually has those letters of the instructions that you want beyond the grave, right? So the distribution mm-hmm. process. And then once it gets distributed day one, day two, you do another PPLI on the life of the second generation. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. keep repeating, right? Um, so there's lots of mm-hmm. different sort of variations that we can do. And then sometimes we cannot even, you know, do do the the the, the trigger event, not off the first generation, but off the children right away. Mm-hmm. There's certain cases where you want that to happen, right? Um, or you can do joint life, second last to die, right? So I can I can mm-hmm. do myself and my wife and whoever last to die, and then the, the trigger event happens, right? Or myself mm-hmm. and one of my 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 oldest son, and then the trigger event happens. Lots of different combinations for different use mm-hmm. cases. Um, mm-hmm. This gets quite esoteric and, and and customized, and that's why we're here to sort of help you walk you through that process. Okay, thank you for that. And generally speaking, I, I know I would imagine that you can get quite technical. But what will be the basic, like high-level differences when you set it up for a U.S. family as opposed to a non-U.S. family? Just generally yep. speaking. Yeah. So, and you know, just just so you know, PPLI actually originated from the U.S. It's it's okay. it's in a it's it's in a U.S. structure, right? And and mm-hmm. it, it was invented, I think, in the late seventies. So it's been around mm-hmm. for quite some time. It's it sort of withstood the test of time. It's been around for over forty years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, over time, there's been lots of iterations on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. But in general, with the U.S. structures, obviously, it's the most strict because the U.S. tax code is the most strict. Um, but there's mm-hmm. two key rules we sort of have to pay attention to the U.S. Number one, it has to be self, cannot be self-directed. It has mm-hmm. to be arm's length. I cannot manage the assets myself. Mm-hmm. I need a licensed manager to manage it on my behalf. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas in other jurisdictions, that's optional. It's ideal, but it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two is that it has to be a diversified investment pool. It has to be at least five different investments. Mm-hmm. One investment cannot be more than 55% of the overall portfolio. Two can't be more than 70%. There's some really strict rules we have to follow. So it, does, it, it, just, it just can't be like one asset that's worth 90% of the overall pool, right? Mm-hmm. And then one share of four different stocks. Mm-hmm. It can't be like that. It has to be a diversified mm-hmm. investment pool. There's certain rules we have to pay attention to. Those are the two key rules for the U.S. that we have to pay attention to. There's some other smaller ones. But but in general, those two key rules, if we can pay attention to those key rules, we're 95% there. Okay, gotcha. And I, I guess the one that really stands out is, uh, the let's say, the hands-off rule. Yeah. So I would imagine that that could be a challenge for some families who have got accustomed to being in control. Yeah. Could you talk? Could you talk a bit about the hands-off rule and how you manage? Yeah. So that's a very good question. You know. So as I said, it cannot be self-directed. Um. Mm-hmm. So you cannot be the one punching the trades. You mm-hmm. cannot be. You cannot be the one. You know, deciding what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to give a, a discretionary portfolio to your asset manager. It can be, and it can be any asset manager. It can be to your private bank. It can be to Goldman or Pictay or Julia Spear or Morgan Stanley or Citibank. We work with all of them. They have mm-hmm. discretionary portfolios. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. you can actually, you know, set out in principle what they what what the direction is. I want to be more aggressive. I want to be, um, you know, less aggressive. I, I you know, mm-hmm. whatever that 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 overall port over that the overall portfolio is going to be, right? That mm-hmm. direction of it. But the actual stock picking, the actual decision to buy and sell that particular stock or that security or that bond has mm-hmm. to be in the hands of that investment manager, right? 
If you cannot do that, then this may not be the right structure for you. Okay, it's really important yeah. to have that arm's length, um, that that arm's length sort of uh, um, decision making process. Right, it cannot be self directed, and that's mm -hmm. a very bold line we emphasize mm -hmm. all the time. It cannot mm -hmm. be self directed, right? Um, and and that's very very important. You know, if you if you want to be self directed, fantastic. It may not be this may not be the right structure. You just keep it outside the structure and pay your fifty percent tax or thirty seven percent tax, depending on what what where where you are, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you want that tax deferral, right? Not, mm -hmm. not buying selling assets without paying those taxes right away and just it's just accruing mm -hmm. them forever. Mm -hmm. You have to follow these rules. Okay, understood, understood. Now, when we started off talking, you mentioned that it was very much a boring structure. It flies under the radar. It's been tried and tested. Are yep. there any are there any jurisdictions, major jurisdictions, that have a kind of caught on to it and are giving it special attention, or is, does it still continue to fly under the radar? You know, it's it, it just tends to fly under the radar because it's in life insurance, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm, I mean, just look. If I'm a politician and I'm saying, let's go after trusts, let's go after mm -hmm. our offshore companies, yeah, everyone says, yeah. yeah, fantastic, let's get out pitchforks. Those, those are things for the rich, right? Yeah, but if I yeah. say let's go after life insurance, everyone starts to be very concerned. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, because of that, you know, I mean, life insurance at its very core is for widows and orphans. Mm -hmm. Widows and orphans need to be protect, protected, right? At its very core, it's for widows and orphans. And so all, all these different benefits come from that, right? And then it, because of that, it's very difficult for you to discriminate between, you know, the average person or the or the less wealthy person and the very wealthy person. You can't just mm -hmm. can't do just it just it just you can't really discriminate between these these different things, right? Um and so I think that's the reason why, you know, it's been around for 40 years. It's withstood the test of time. Um, it's gotten more strict on how we use it. These investment diversification rules, these, you know, can't be mm -hmm. self-directed. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we can't abuse these structures. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, with any sort of structure that's out there, if you use it correctly, you're going to be fine. If you abuse mm -hmm. the structure, you can get in trouble. So don't abuse mm -hmm. the structure. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so I, I think you've, we've pretty much covered everything. Are there any final words that you, you want to share? Uh, any final comments? Yeah, so I think, you know, these 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 structures tend to be very good, right? Whether you're, let's say, if you're a U.S. person living in the U.S., we have structures mm -hmm. for that, right? And you can defer your taxes. So, mm -hmm. you know, what, as I mentioned, for the U.S., for Western Europe, for um, U.K., for Australian clients, it's all about, it's all about tax optimization, and the mm -hmm. key way that that happens is through tax deferral. Basically, if I buy an asset for $50 and I sell for $100, usually maybe $50 of gains. Under mm -hmm. life insurance, um, you know, the, the life insurance company does not have to pay those taxes. Whereas you and I have to pay maybe $25 of taxes. $75 comes back to me. In life insurance, the full $100 comes back. There's no tax drag as long as it stays within the structure. So I can move between assets. I can go between securities to bonds to crypto to um to real estate to operating companies to private equity investments and all the way back all within the structure without having that tax drag so it's so it's so it's so, it's, so it, it's very very powerful in that way um the other thing is that you know if you have families who have let's say kids or beneficiaries in different jurisdictions or you're mm -hmm. planning to move to different jurisdictions these things are a very very good structure so for example we have a lot of clients who are going to be moving to the US or to Spain mm -hmm. or to Portugal mm -hmm. um, or to Australia. And you can do a lot of structuring before you move 
to make it tax efficient before you go there so that it doesn't get tax, caught in the tax traps. So a lot, of, a lot of clients, for example, I'm seeing in Singapore, they ha- it's a very t- low tax jurisdiction, right? So I think the the, um, the, the personal in- income tax, I think, is between 17 to 19% versus, let's say, Australia, which is over 50, right? Or in California, again, over 50. You can structure it before you migrate or immigrate to Australia or mm-hmm. US, UK, and then it doesn't get caught up in the tax nets there. So it's a very, very powerful type of thing. Um, and oftentimes, you know, even in some certain jurisdictions, let's say Spain. So Spain has the, the non-habitual rule, the 10-year non-habitual rule, right? Which basically says that, you know, I think all your income taxes, you don't pay income tax for 10 years. But the one active thing there is that you do have to pay capital gains tax. Mm-hmm. And a lot of wealthy people actually make money on, 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 on capital gains, mm-hmm. not on mm-hmm. income, because wealthy people tend to make more money on just on, on assets they own. They don't have to work, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but... So any capital gains will get caught up in it. But if you structure it properly before you migrate to Spain, then you may not have to pay those taxes. You may be able to defer those taxes forever, right? Which is very, very powerful, right? As long as you structure it correctly and you get a Spanish compliant policy and follow the rules for each of the different countries. So I think, you know, the, the key thing is that these things are very, very um, flexible. Um, mm-hmm. It's important to have a, a very good advisor who's used to cross-jurisdictional issues, right? Mm-hmm. A U.S. policy and a U.K. policy and a Spanish policy and a French policy and a Belgian policy and a Chinese policy may be all very different. Find mm. somebody who has that that broad sort of um, expertise to be able to navigate across jurisdictions, if that's your your case in your family. And most families now are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and 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 seek sort of professional advisors like, like Darren or, or myself. Um, and that's probably probably the the, the best last words. Okay. Fantastic. So asset protection, succession planning, estate planning, yep. pre-immigration, pre-migration planning. Yeah. Uh, it is, it could be a silver bullet for, for, for the right family. Right. We, we like to, to, to think so. And, and, and the easy way to sort of remember the different benefits is protect like the watch. I don't have yeah. one. It's P for privacy, A for yeah. asset protection, T yeah. for tax optimization, E for estate planning, and C for a cash component. If you have one of these needs in your family, uh-huh. Um, reach out to Darren or myself and we'd be happy mm-hmm. to sort of walk you along and walk you through the process. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And again, if someone wanted to reach you, what's the best way to get to you? Yep. So um, I think probably to reach out to Darren and then Darren can, 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 can contact myself um, mm-hmm. or, you know, I, uh, my, my, my email is, is simply Chi last, my last name, C H I, as you can see on the screen at mm-hmm. 1291 group dot com so okay. it's just my last name yeah chi at one two nine one group.com i think the easier is to reach out to darren darren knows mm-hmm. where to find me and darren's team knows where to find <laughs> me and we can take it from there fantastic roger thank you it's been an honor yeah thanks very much for your time okay all right take care everyone bye-bye all right bye-bye so if you're a six, seven, or eight-figure investor, entrepreneur, or business owner who needs a tailor-made solution from a qualified team of professionals, we can help you achieve the international lifestyle, the freedom, and even the tax savings you're looking for. Visit us at htj.tax and live that international life.